it's it's ancient despair doubt depression it's ancient tell me if this describes anything that you know like a slave who longs for the shadow and like laborers who look for their wages so I am allotted months of emptiness and nights of misery are apportioned to me when I lie down I say when will I rise but the night is long and I am full of tossing until dawn my flesh is clothed with worms and dirt my skin hardens and breaks out again my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and as the thread runs out are without hope that's 4th or 5th BCE before Christ is born the book of Job and um, the subtitle of that particular chapter 7 is called My Suffering is Without End so it's ancient it's ancient that feeling of I don't belong Um, what's happening inside of me doesn't fit what's happening with you human suffering seemingly invisible from an invisible hand so the lovely serendipity and coincidence of this month turns out to be mental health month but I didn't know that when I plucked into that list of sermon titles that you all brainstormed last fall and someone wrote here's the longer title they said am I responsible for your mental addiction mental illness or homelessness so that's the question posed to us today and I immediately thought of Job because of Job's fabulous descriptions of how awful it is to be out of sorts, to be in the middle of trauma. Um, if you're not familiar with the book, it, it, it is the point at which monothe- it's a it's a chapter that is monotheism is beginning to take shape. And so it opens with Job, this fabulous description of Job is the perfect everyman. He's got all these riches and this lovely family and these incredible kids and cattle. Nothing could be any finer than Job's life. Well, looking down on Job happened to be Satan and God, and they're having a conversation. And God points out, Job, look, here is this man, part of my creation, and he believes in me, and he's pious, and he does all the right things. And oh my gosh, if that wasn't a setup for the Satan, Satan goes, oh yeah? (laughs) 
what if he did not have all those advantages? Would he be so pious then? And it's a great question. We don't often talk about piety here. So let's pick a different word and talk about when things aren't going well, can we be uh, optimistic? Can we be faithful that things will change or that whatever happens in the world or in our own life is something we can handle. And the, the thread that runs out all of Job is that, of course, his calamities and what's happening comes from this up above hand. But I don't know if you feel the same way, but when I'm depressed or distressed or discouraged, think I'm going this way and turn around and realize I'm over here, um, what's happening inside here doesn't match at all. For some of you, this sunny day may be completely passing you by because of whatever's happening internally. And it feels like someone else indeed is pulling the strings and writing the script. And that's the struggle with mental illnesses is they are often, not always, but often invisible. We can't always know what's going on in someone's mind and heart. So unlike a physical ailment where you often can see what's going on, you all were, as I expected you to be, gracious, fabulous, compassionate, because you could see my crutch and my boot. And to make sure this sermon does double duty, I'm going to have to ask for your forgiveness. So it'll be an exercise. Can you forgive me too? (laughs) Can I get it off? (laughs) So no, I did not have a bicycle accident. But you all were incredibly thoughtful. Can I get you a seat? Can I help you? (laughs) Shall I do this? (laughs) I have to say, things came to mind like, she's been healed. (laughs) But I won't go there. But my point is, the question we were asked is really about something invisible. How do we respond to the pain and suffering of someone and we can't see what it is? And they may tell us, I'm really down today. And you're thinking, yeah, okay, well, get over it. You can't imagine what's really going on in my brain. 
just as I can't really imagine what's going on in your brain and heart. So what if, what if the question, what if we reword the question slightly and rather than say mental illness, what if we say the invisible parts of our lives, are you responsible for that? Am I responsible for the invisible parts of your lives? And I'd say, absolutely yes. And I hope I can convince you in the next 15 minutes that's so. Um, so as a possible thought experiment, I think we, we draw a false line between mental illness and physical ailments and the writings and philosophers and psychologists say it is not that simple. Dr. Mate talks about it's a spectrum. And as everyone knows, when you're, let's just take the word exhausted. So that's one of those symptoms for not having all the right um, vitamins or minerals or rest. So that's exhausted. But also, it's a symptom of being depressed. So what's happening in our head does affect our body, and what's happening in our body does affect our head. And Snoopy, was it, Char- no, Charlie Brown says, <laughs> do this. But you can tell in someone's countenance that things are not going well. So what if, what if, what if we only supplied insurance, medical help, sympathy for the physical ailments that were visible? So not unless you're bleeding or vomiting or have physical bruises and cuts will the ER take you or insurance pay for you. So my pseudo-broken foot would not be tended because you can't really see it. And that's a lot like how we handle mental illness and our often non-existent effort towards mental health. We can't see it. So what's our responsibility? What is our responsibility? And it it does matter. Courts struggling with what does it mean when someone commits a crime? Are they responsible for their behavior? Or does their mental illness preclude them from being able to make conscious decisions? And it's bigger than that. It's not just what happens in the court, but we know that mental health and mental illness come from our childhood, come from genetics. How much room do we cut? How much slack do we cut someone? And that it's all so carefully interwoven. It matters what happens in our schools. We label something ADD, ADHD, but how much of that is our own culture's description of what it means to be a seven-year-old boy in a classroom who doesn't have recess? and then goes home and is in front of a screen. 
I'm not saying those are bad, but it changes what is normal. We define what is normal. I've been reading um, off and on a book about Abraham Lincoln, who suffered from what was then called melancholy. He had, he had suicide attempts, suicidal thoughts. And the book is interesting because it talks about not just the evidence in his writing and people's recollections of him and descriptions of him for his frequent depressive state and this irony of how he could get so much done while being depressed, but also the culture around him accepted his melancholy as part of his personality. So it wasn't outside of the norm. The norm was much wider. And people did exactly what you did for me. They sat with him when he was depressed. They gave him compassion. They, oh yeah, this is, I can tell, Lincoln's having one of those days. So what if? What if we broaden that definition of what it means to be supportive of someone because we can't exactly see what's going on? But they tell us, I'm miserable, I hear voices, I see things. And you know, we're in the business in this church as a religious people of dealing with things that are invisible. Dealing with our covenant. Our covenant is our invisible thing between us that we agree to nurture and tend, but it's invisible. So this is actually a perfect place for us to be discussing this aspect of mental health and mental illness because it's often so invisible. And we continue to develop tools for how do you deal with something that is not so obvious in someone else. And some of it's simple. You ask them what's going on or tell me how it feels. Do you need help? Um, we, we are blessed to have some really smart people in this congregation. I've learned to rely on you all. And I reached out to the people I knew who work in the mental health field to say, okay, here's the question at hand. Are your mental illnesses my problem? From your work, and the work varies, some work with vets, some work one-on-one, some work for the Mental Health Association. From your perspective, how would you answer that question? Are your mental illnesses my problem? And one of the common threads throughout all their comments is the term mental illness is a problem. Because once again, it does that binary thing of um, there's illness and there's health. There's either or. And that it's physical, not something we can't quite explain or describe. So one writes, I've never liked the term mental illness. I prefer emotional struggles or life stressors. So that really dives deeply into all of the, that, the invisible hand 
that plays a role in mental health. And again, we need to separate mental illness from mental health. You have some disorders where there is a genetic vulnerability with environmental triggers. So there is this biological component. But we have to hold both of those things when we talk about mental health, that there's a physical component and there is an inexplicable, invisible hand. Sometimes we know more about it. We've been able to scan things more. Why is mental illness treated any differently from any other illness? There's a tendency to blame the victim in some respects, despite solid evidence to the contrary. For example, twin studies in Sweden showed that identical twins separated at birth with one twin raised in an alcoholic home and the other not. And when those two were studied, the alcoholism, genetic predisposition, still showed up despite the environment. I think a mentally healthy society should want to create the opportunity for people with mental health issues to get help. It is my observation that mental health problems are generational, and if left untreated, get worse and more complex with each generation. I actually find that frightening and makes me question um, what's going on in our world today, how much of that is an expression of unfinished family business in some of our leaders and some of our followers. It seems that from that perspective, absolutely necessary to tackle these issues. To cite the old Fram oil filter commercial, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. So are your mental illnesses my problem? Absolutely. Because we as a society define what is mentally healthy and what is mentally ill because it is our responsibility for where we put our resources. It's our responsibility for how we welcome someone who's clearly struggling into our own just immediate community here. As a parent, as a sister of brothers, Oh my, yes. <laughs> Their mental health affects me, and I know that there are many here who are struggling with family issues, complicated family issues. So yes, yes, yes. It is our responsibility. May it be so. We give away our plate every single Sunday and this Sunday, this month, it goes to wing it, rescue animals. 